Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Planning Committee meeting. A couple of notices before we start. First of all, um, this session is going to be audio recorded as we, uh, as we progress through the, uh, the, the meeting. Um, so, members, when you speak, please remember to turn your microphones on so that, because the system is done through the microphones. Secondly, could you possibly please... Um, turn your mobile phones or pages off and, uh, so that they don't interrupt the meeting. And thirdly, there are no fire drills scheduled for this afternoon, so if there is any bells, could you please make your way up the doors, down the stairs, and assemble outside the building. Thank you very much. Do we have any apologies for absence and declarations? Yes, we have apologies from councillors Hicks, Lachlan and Wales. Declarations of interest, anybody? Okay, fine. Then we'll progress to the minutes of the planning committee held on the 12th of March. Is it your wish that I sign these as a true record? Matters arising from those minutes. Um, PC 63. Could you put your mic on, please? It's Wiccan Bonhunt, not Wiccan. All right. If we could change the spelling on that, please. 64, 65, 66, 67, 68, 69. <clears throat> Fine. Um, are there any applications withdrawn today? No. Okay, fine. Then we go on to the first application on the schedule, which is UTT 140174, which is a full application, and it's in Great Chesterford. Uh, Mr. Brown, you're going to take us through this. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Before I go on, I've got a, a few housekeeping issues to sort out. First of all, um, an objector has contacted the uh, planning authority raising the fact that some of the issues he raised are not actually covered in the representation um, summary which is within the report um, which is on pages 13 into 14. Um, I would just clarify that that is actually the case unfortunately. So just to confirm that we have had, a, a, we have had an objection raising issues regarding inadequate child place based provision on the site and also concerns that that lack of child um, child place based provision on the site has resulted in reliance on people going, uh, of children going to the recreation ground which is half a mile away. Uh, there's also, he's also raised issues around the safety of the crossing of the road and also well as issues around uh, lack of cycle provision from the proposal. Um, I'm sure some of those issues will be covered in terms of the debate and in terms of my other updates as well. Uh, we've also received a comment that hasn't been covered in the, a further report from uh, Great Chesterford Parish Council, I, I see the representative for the parish is, is actually speaking. They have raised specific issues regarding the, the numbers of car parking spaces on the site, uh, both in terms of the, um, how, they, how they differ between the, the lack of provision as well as uh, the lack of visitors' provision, size of car parking spaces, and whether or not those spaces could actually be used, and also issues around the disabled parking on the site. Again, that could be raised later on as well. Um, we have had comments from the local highway authority who have raised no objections to the proposal but have suggested 
uh, further conditions. Um, now, one of those conditions includes um, sort of one of them is a variation of a condition. Uh, you'll see in the recommendation on page 23, condition 5 says no dwelling shall be occupied until the pedestrian crossing on London Road has been constructed <coughs> in accordance with details to be agreed in writing by the local planning authority. They've asked that the, the, the word pedestrian refuge be also included in that as well. It's not necessarily provided in terms of a zebra crossing, but it is a safe crossing, including the refuge. So the inclusion of a refuge actually clarifies what that's all about, as well as an additional condition, uh, which is actually says prior to the occupation of the development, provision and implementation of section 1.2, opposite grant to close to station approach of the Great Chesterford to Little Chesterford cycle route. That's basically providing a cycle link from uh, the front to the site all the way up to the uh, station <coughs> approach site which is just to the north of the site so that's an additional condition that's proposed um, one also one other clarification in terms of the recommendation uh, that I think has, been, has been, been raised by the Parish Council previously is about regarding the affordable housing provision just to clarify that the affordable housing provision will be cascaded out so therefore that for the, each, each dwelling when it becomes available both, both at the very early stages initially and also in subsequent lets will be made first available to uh, its cascade starts with Great Chesterford and then goes out to adjoining parishes then goes out to General Ottersford requirements I can't say the word perpetuity because amongst all those right there is the right to acquire within those so any properties that remains, remains within the within as, as affordable housing and available for let will be continually be cascaded out There, I now run through the run through the actual scheme. The actual, I think I've gone one far too long. The site actually lies on the its existing New World Timber site. There was a member's site visit regarding this site. It is a as much of a brown site as you possibly could get. It's an actual site on the on the edge of the village, but within the confines of the village. Um, it's an existing site with uh, gr there is currently I'm trying to find the site before it. So uh, hopefully I can. That's it. You'll see that the existing access to London Road, the site is actually a site of two halves with the existing greenhouse site to the front of the site and with the New World, a former New World timber site factory towards the site. They have already relocated from the site, so it is a, it is a vacant brownfield site and you have Great Chesterford Station and the railway line towards the site there as well as existing development on US Green to the, to the south of the site. Uh, the proposal is for 42 dwellings uh, to be located within the site. This plan hasn't really come out very well, unfortunately, which actually says existing acts... What's it on there? That's it. With existing access from London Road with uh, provision of dwellings on this side of the road, the road is actually maintained... It will be in its existing position, the members will recall when they went through the site, uh, but obviously upgraded, including footpaths either side, with houses either side on this side and this side adjacent to New Ash Green. The proposals has each dwelling here has been conditioned to have opaque glazed windows, so there's no direct overlooking onto the New Ash Green properties, um, as well as a 
roads coming off to the, to, to the, to the, off the main road with the provision of houses along this particular site. Um, the dwellings on this particular adjacent, you've got Stanley House in this location which is existing office development and the amenities of the proposed dwellings have been protected by the requirement for opaque windows to prevent them from being overlooked by the, by the office development towards the rear and obviously you've got the railway development towards the rear, it is considered from environmental health section that the the distance between those properties and the railway line is considered sufficient with, existing, with proposed landscaping there to actually, uh, to actually protect the amenity of those particular proposals. Um, you'll see from the report that there is adequate, um, within the summary, within the table provided on page 20, that uh, all properties will be provided in accordance with the Essex Design Guide in terms of proposed garden sizes, um, both for the two bedders up with at least 50 square metres being provided and with the free bedders with at least 100 square metres being provided as well, which is in accordance with the Essex Design Guide. Um, this is a general, um, the, the, the design of the dwellings. Again, this hasn't come out very well, unfortunately, but this shows the sort of general types of dwellings that you're going to be have on the site. And finally, the issues regarding they have provided 40% affordable housing within the site in accordance with the council's policy, and you'll see from the site that they have been appropriately clustered um, we've actually got twos, fours, so they actually aren't clustered in one bulk of, of more than ten. Um, on that basis, the application is recommended for approval, Chairman. Thank you very much. Now we have some speakers on this, and the first person is from the Parish Council, Joanna Francis. Three years ago, a generous and selfless local landowner offered the parish council an exception site on the edge of the village. This started us down a long and at times very frustrating road to the application you have in front of you. Although we desperately wanted a site for local need affordable housing, we wanted it within the village envelope so that the residents felt part of the community and we also wanted to resolve the issue of the detrimental visual impact of the derelict greenhouses. Both Councillor Redfern and the Parish Council proactively brought forward this site, achieving agreement from all parties to have the affordable element of any development in this location allocated for local need, based on property types required by our housing needs survey. At the outset, it was agreed that as Great Chesterford was already over-provisioned for place spaces, we would accept a place-based specific payment in lieu of a lap. The play spaces, however, are on the other side of the village, and it was agreed that a suitable and safe crossing would be provided to allow children to safely access them. Highways have now asked for a section of the cycle path to be implemented in addition to the crossing, and both of these conditions must be met. The applicant has addressed the issues from the previously refused application, and the design quality of the properties is high. There are still some <coughs> concerns. The parking spaces are not the preferred size. They are the minimum size which are only supposed to be used in exceptional circumstances. There are less visitor spaces than required which will lead to on-street parking. There have been concerns raised by Sulock relating to lifetime homes. There is minimal soft landscaping. We have not had sight of the Section 106 agreement. However, whilst we aim for perfection to achieve higher standards, none of the issues, either on their own or cumulatively, are of greater importance than the desperate need within Greater Little Chesterford for local need affordable housing. So I ask you to support the officer's recommendation. Thank you. Thank you very much. And the next person who wishes to speak is the agent, Graham Fisher.
Thank you, members. Um, given the support from your officers and from the Parish Council, I don't plan to make a speech, but there's just a few things that I might help with clarification. Um, going backwards from the way that they were raised by Joanna, um, we haven't seen Section 106 agreement either, so it, it is going to be the subject of negotiations between us and your officers. But we have agreed the heads of terms in terms of affordable housing, um, educational infrastructure and off-site um, place-based improvements. We're also happy about the uh, condition requiring the formation of a safe crossing point on London Road. We don't have details from the County Council yet as to exactly what they want in terms of providing the cycle path, but we agree to this in principle. Um, but as I say, as yet, we're not quite sure, because we haven't been able to speak to the County Engineer, exactly what is required. So I would suggest that that matter is covered by a condition as suggested by Mr Brown. Um, we have endeavoured to provide as much soft landscaping as we can within this site, particularly on the frontage where there is a gen generous swathe in front of the, uh, the main run of buildings. Um, where, where it is possible at, at key points, particularly at the end of the access road, there is substantial um, soft landscaping and also within individual plots. One of the things we try to do here, um, because of the preference by both the local and parish authorities to have the play space off-site is to maximise the amount of private recreational space which we have done to the Essex design standards. Um, we are three short on car parking according to the um, county parking standards. We don't believe that this is significant. Um, it would be possible to provide extra parking either on the carriageway or potentially but regrettably on the um, landscaping uh, strip to the front which would only require widening by about a metre in order to accommodate a few extra car parking spaces. So that is entirely possible and could be achieved by a planning condition. We did originally allocate the total number of spaces, 86, between visitors and individual plots. But what, in consultation with your officers, we decided not to do that for the time being. But we are happy for that, again, to be dealt with by condition in terms of which spaces are allocated and which are visitor spaces. Thank you. I think I've covered the points. Thank you very much. Um, if you'd like to return back to the... Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. Right. Um, just before we open it up, it's three spaces that we're missing. Is that correct, Mr. Brown? That's right. I mean, what, what should have been provided was would have been... Um, there is actually... There should have been 89 spaces provided, of which 11 should be visitors. However, what they have provided is 86, of which six 
or Beavis's, that doesn't necessarily tie up exactly in terms of arithmetic, because what they have also done as part of that is they've, they've potentially over-provided on some of the one-bedroom units. So therefore, it's, but in essence, there's three spaces missing of which you can actually say there is a lack of visitor spaces on the site. And I think that in itself, although it's uh, regrettable, and as, as, the, as the speaker said, it, it would have been possible to facilitate those three within it, but that would have meant potentially taking away some of that soft landscaping from the front of the site. Uh, there was reference to the size, but we have a we have a standard size. Are these standard size? The size is is the is it's not the you know we've got a wider need of space, but they've got actually gone back to the the old school type of size as well. It's, so there's its design size. I should also add there's also issues about the the disabled spaces not being large enough. Um, the, I've actually spoken to uh, the, the council's access officer regarding that, and she's right. She sort of said that, in, in essence, if you look at the actual layout plan, um, there is actually potentially an overuse of the disabled symbol throughout, um, in that there is an actual overprovision of disabled spaces in terms of what they've actually done. And where some of them aren't, aren't actually up to disabled standards, um, there is one in front of it that actually does comply with it. So they can comply with the disabled standards. So she has no issues under, under either the um, uh, lifetime homes requirements or under part M of the, of the building control which, which covers issues such as access. So she's, she's satisfied. And we're having a condition to do the cycle route, which I think, and, and, the, and the, um, uh, the refuge as well. Yeah, because the cycleway and the refuge are on highway land, we can do that by way of a condition in terms of provision. Councillor Perry. Thank you, Chairman. Just three quick questions. First of all, what's the density level on this site? Secondly, we do have a policy regarding bungalow stock. We don't seem to appear to have any bungalows on this application, bearing in mind that the bungalow is the lifeblood of any village. And the noise attenuation measures, does it include vibration tests? Scientists point 89 hectares in size uh, to 42 dwellings. That's 47 dwellings per hectare, which is a high density, um, but it is an acceptable density in that particular location as far as officers are concerned. Um, in terms of the provision of bungalows, that was raised at early stages regarding discussions with the, with the applicant. Um, again, it is, a, it, is a improving, it is a draft policy at the moment. It wasn't actually a draft policy when it came in. It was, you know, it's gathering weight. Well, gathered weight because of last night, but, it's, but as a draft policy, uh, it is a requirement that we usually push for. Um, in discussions with the applicant and with the parish council, there is a potential hove provision of bungalows on another site within Great Chesterford. So on this particular site, it was considered uh, not necessarily appropriate to pursue the issue regarding the bungalows. And in terms of the vibration condition, um, I, just I just need to double check whether there is a condition on regarding that. Um, it's noise. I didn't see sorry. the vibration. There's not one. In, there's not one include. Condition 11 covers the issues regarding noise, exactly. uh, but not vibration. But that would have been because the environmental health didn't request it. <laughs> to be quite honest. Can I quickly come back, Chairman, please? Yeah, I'm quite happy with that. I just wanted to raise those. But can it be that the attenuation measures are in place before occupancy? Well, in terms of the, in terms of those, yes. I mean, it does actually. 
Yeah, it actually should, yeah, that should say prior to the occupation of any dwelling. Yeah. Yeah, Councillor Mackman, you're next. Thank you, Chair. Uh, before I make my point, uh, could I have clarification on uh, paragraph 7.2 on page 12? Because it's got that uh, section 106 does not state that the affordable housing will be for the local need of Great and Little Chesterford in perpetuity. Can I confirm whether we can actually make a condition so that the properties, the affordable properties, can be limited just to the residents of the area? We can. There is within the housing strategy there is a requirement. If requested, if there's, a, if there's a demonstrated housing need within the village, which there is within the Chesterfords, I should add on this particular one. One thing I omitted to probably say earlier on was Great Chester, they are considered as the Chesterfords, so I mean, I think that's an update in terms of the instruction. But at the moment, it's going through as Great Chesterford, but I think it should be the Chesterfords because the two villages, it's the need survey for the Chesterfords. But yes, we can do that on the house, because of the housing strategy. And we've done, we've done it before. We've done it in my own village. Yes. You want to come back? I think I'll come back on that. Uh, as I say, I was curious about that one because I've not come across it previously. Uh, I would comment that I thought the car parking, I agree with the officers that it's a marginal thing. We couldn't, we couldn't possibly turn it down on that ground. I thought the immediate spaces were grudging. But on the basis that the local council and the local member support this, I'm prepared to support it myself and propose that we accept the recommendation. With the uh, additions that we have spoken about, the cycleway... With any additions anybody else cares to offer. Okay, fine. Do I have a seconder for that, Councillor Perry? Councillor Salmon, you're next on the list. Yes, Madam Chair. Three car parking spaces we're short of. <laughs> Could the road be made wider in one place and have a lay-by so that the three car parking spaces will be put in there? The agent did say that that was feasible. The question is, does, do, is it needed uh, and that's a decision that this committee would have to make um, Mr. Now, as, as we said it, wasn't the, it was possible to provide those extra free spaces but that would have meant either what you've just suggested on the, on the highway or a loss of some of the front amenity space so we felt that that was probably you know, it was better just to shortfall the free spaces rather than, than, rather than to go down that route Councilman Menel Thank you, Chairman. I'm happy to support this application. However, I do have a question, and that's with regards to the comments on Education 8.5 on page 13. And it necessarily will have an impact on the ward that I represent in the village of Littlebury and the expectations of those parents in Littlebury to go to the school in Great Chesterford. That's been a long-standing um, agreement. And could you please refresh my memory on the Section 106 agreement that we had with Stanley Road Development? I think there is a school site, isn't there, proposed with, with the previous application, so that would perhaps cover the added numbers coming from here. Yes, there was, there was a piece of land secured for education and community. It was that exact description, education and community purposes, um, from the Stanley Road site. So whether that... that hopefully it was a, a future site for a school it's certainly a more current site for a for an early years provision on that site as well so therefore it's there but the two as you as you heard from the workshop earlier that the two may not necessarily link as directly as that but there is a provision for for, for land from from another site within great chesterford yes councillor Eden. Uh, thank you chairman uh, yes um i'd like to raise under on page 1272 um just one confirmation um, this is uh, 
the second sentence, um, there must also be a maximum of 80% ownership and so forth. Um, are we legally entitled to say that? On 7.2, page 12. Yes. Um, I, in fact, the uh, perhaps the legal officer will, will say it even better than I can. <laughs> We, when we do the studies for the villagers and it shows that there is a local need so that uh, we can uh, provide for the local village, in this case the Chesterfords, to have first choice, as it were, of the affordable housing, we cannot limit the um, shared ownership, ownership to 80%. The, uh, the owners of those shared ownership units must have the opportunity to staircase to 100% and purchase the properties. Okay, is, have we got that clearly in our um, final conditions? That is always the case regarding affordable housing. The only time that is not the case is where you're... There, are, there can be some facilities, if, exception housing, but even that is very rare. But they, there has to be a, a right under law for someone to be able to acquire their to acquire that council as it were. All right. Well, we need to be very clear that we're doing it the, right, the correct way. Councillor Ranger. Yes. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, two points, if I may. Um, on Condition 7, we are expecting a landscaping plan to be submitted, and I would suggest that um, that would be the opportunity for any adjustments to the car parking figures to be taken into account so anyone gained back would be of benefit, um, whatever the shortfall. Um, but the other point was, has anybody actually proposed that um, the allocation is only for local residents? Because I can't see in the papers that there is actually a defined need that's specific to the mix on the site. Um, I may be wrong, but of course what we can't afford to have is empty properties built. First of all, the, 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 the scheme has been built around, not around, it has been built, um, has been set up, um, informed by the, um, the, the, needing the housing needs survey for the Chesterfords. So there is some sort of linkage between that. Having said that, it is we are talking first option. So therefore, if they are, if they once these are built and they are let out, and there aren't uh, a need for it within the Chesterfords, then it would go out to the adjoining villages in and out. So you will not end up with empty properties. To make it exclusively local needs, you're right. If there's no one for the Chesterfords, it will just sit there until someone's ready to talk about it. That's not what will happen. My comeback, Chairman. I thought somebody had proposed that it was going to be solely that. No, they get first choice, I think, Cascades. is what it is. It's, it's, so, in other words, if a, if a property... Councillor Mackman did make the point. Yeah. Could, we, could we condition it? And I wondered if that had been proposed. No, no we have to... It's first choice. You, can, you offer it to the local area. If there is nobody within the local area, then it can go out to the surrounding areas. Surrounding parishes. Surrounding parishes and then it goes out to the whole district. <coughs> so, uh, Councillor Kant. Thank you. Could you point out where the parking courts are, which houses are, don't have um, actual allocated parking? The word no, probably, because in terms of... It, oh, up in that area there. Again, the large pan outside, actually. 
Yeah, that's that one there, isn't it? Now that area there is directly related to the flat development, which is which is there, which is in that area. So therefore, yeah, the, 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 it's the use of the term parking courts. It's probably you know whether that's whether it's a parking court or not. It's an area of parking. There's those those there's that area there. We've also got another one over here now. But I wouldn't actually go as far to say they're actually parking courts because you know they they are actually. And do these all relate to the flats? Um, they do up this area. I think it's this area here where the flats are. But they are all associated with individual dwellings. There's there's no unallocated spaces other than the visitor spaces. The, the only reason I ask is that if we're three places short and there is an allocated parking, there's nothing worse than getting home at 7 o'clock at night and finding that there's <coughs> actually someone in your parking space and, and somewhere like this, you would have nowhere to, to park. Um, but, I mean, that's something that um, I suppose people have to find it's it out. If the sh sorry, the shortfall is at the visitor's end, rather. Than, so there's a lack of... The, the three that are, are missing is the, is the visitor spaces. There are allocated spaces for the individual dwellings. Unfortunately, there. we all know the problem when teenagers get to 17 and want their own cars. Suddenly, um, the house has two parking spaces and there are three cars and within a development like this there are presumably no main roads where people can park on the road and so I think it is quite important to have the full, if we can arrange it to have a few visitor parking spaces Well we can do that by taking a metre of the, um, of the landscaping in the front to put in a lay-by there for the extra three spaces because I think that's what the agent said in his presentation. Um, what, surely it is possible to condition that when the landscaping comes forward and uh, that, that, it, that this is looked at. I mean, I, I think three spaces short is, is A, it, 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 it's very regrettable, but I don't think it's... Um, it, it, it's one to refuse the application on and there is some space there uh, maybe they can make grass creek there so that it can be either used for parking or landscaped which is something that we could put into the condition it's, it's not only grass creek there's lots of other names to it now but it means it looks like, looks like landscaping but you can actually put I think Councillor Rangers hit it on the head when he, when he mentioned the fact about the landscaping can cover, it covers it's not just trees, it covers hard landscaping as well and issues such as that and the agents and the applicants are all here so therefore they, they, they can pick that up and we can, we can consider that. Maybe that's something that you yeah. could have discussions about if the condition allows it. Right, Councillor Godwin. Mine was really, uh, my question was on the same lines. Having lived around places where there hasn't been enough car parking spaces because the residents always have more than their allocated number of cars, I think as a council we should be more proactive in this and where car parking spaces are short, we should condition them in and I really feel quite strongly that we should do that here. And Councillor Mackman, you wish to come back? Uh, no, I think we've heard enough about car parking spaces at the minute. Okay, fine. Uh, if nobody else wishes to speak, it has been proposed. Oh, Councillor Memel, you wish to come back? I was just going back? to ask if, if the road was going to be narrowed at all, because that's where they're all going to park, on that access road. It's not on the access road. It was suggested that on this road here, if you look at the front, there's landscaping and then there's a road. 
and it was suggested that there could be some area that you could um, put some extra car spaces on. No, I, I the point I was making is that road that leads right up to the top is where everybody will start to park. Well, there are always traffic regulations that you can stop that happening on Council Manor. Right, it has been proposed and seconded for approval, subject to the tweaking of the landscaping condition and the refuge and the cycle. No way. Well, we can deal with the car parking under the landscaping, that's what I'm saying. Is that correct? Okay. She need to tweak the landscaping condition. Oh, it's there. Okay, fine. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, unanimous. unanimous. Okay, fine. Thank you. Um, right, the next item on the agenda is UTT 140480. Full Elsnam and Mrs. Denmark, you're going to take us through this. Right then, this application relates to a full application for the erection of five dwellings on a site known as Elsnam Sawmill. It's located at Ty Green, Elsnam, and it's at the end of a narrow country lane, and um, uh, there's the railway line runs along this boundary of the site. Access to the village is available, um, pedestrian access to the village is available up Robin Hood Road, which runs off up here. That means crossing over the railway line. The site is currently in commercial use, which appears to be predominantly um, scrapyard and car repair type uses. Um, the proposals relate to the change of use to residential and the erection of five dwellings. Um, and there will be a new um, road in the site coming down here to serve these dwellings and a new access would be created here to serve this site here. Um, you'd have a pair of semi-detached dwellings here at the frontage and then three detached houses along the rear. The mix of houses would be one two-bedroom one two house, two three-bedroom houses, one four-bed and one five-bed. This area here is uh, grassland. Those members that were on the site visit on Monday had the joy of climbing up there, um, so they're familiar with that. Um, it's proposed to create a new footpath adjacent to the railway line. There is an existing underpass here. Um, currently, it wasn't um, accessible from the site, but it was opened up for our site visit on Monday. But generally, it's not able to be accessed by members of the public but um, there is an underpass here and it's proposed to create this footpath across this field here um, currently in use as um, paddocks um, and there was a horse in there and there's a stile at the end here 
Um, this would be a tarmac path, 1.5 metres wide, with two passing bays. <coughs> so we would have here and here. Um, and there would be a post and rail fence along here. And um, the style would be replaced with a gate at the end. The design of the dwellings is acceptable and there's no issue in relation to garden sizes and parking provision. And that's some cartridges. I'm just going to take you back to that plan. The site is located outside the development limits within the countryside protection zone and therefore there is a presumption against development such as this. However, the MPPF requires local authorities to favourably consider proposals for sustainable development. In terms of layout and density, the scheme is acceptable and we place an existing use that has resulted in complaints from neighbours. However, in order for this site to be considered sustainable, it would need to be within walking distance of facilities within Elsenham. The distance from the site, um, literally from this side of the level crossing to um, the top of Robin Hood Road where the shops are, is approximately 400 metres. Via this um, footpath, it would be just over 500 metres. Currently, Network Rail object to the proposals as set out in paragraph 8.9 of the report. In order for them to lift their objection, they would require the scheme to secure the provision of an alternative route via the underpass and the closure of the level crossing. Given the sensitivity of the use of level crossings locally, this is a fundamental concern and officers are of the opinion that a safe scheme is required in order to ensure the site is sustainable. The scheme proposes that the underpass be painted white and convex mirrors put up either side to give visibility to users of other people on the path or in the underpass. LED lighting will be erected at each end of the underpass, which will operate at 50% and then operate at 100% brightness on motion sensors with a 10-minute overrun. As set out in paragraph 10.10 of the design and access uh, the design and access statement states that a decision was not made not to light the footpath and that it would have signs saying no admittance and private property. With these measures, the police state that the scheme should achieve a secured by design accreditation. But the police also state, as set out in paragraph 10.12, that it was suggested you should not light the footpaths at all, which would discourage use after dark. Not only would this reduce the probability of antisocial behaviour, but if not in use during dark winter months, it would also reduce the opportunities for other crimes to be committed. The plans submitted for the application are at odds with the design and access statement because it does show LED lighting operating at 50% brightness at 5 metre intervals along the path. On this basis, it's unlikely the scheme would achieve secure by design accreditation. However, the lighting would enable people to use the pathway in the dark and in the winter. A letter has been received from the applicant, and I believe it's been forwarded to all members, stating that it's their aim to permanently close the level crossing and that the proposed right-of-way would be open to the public. Again, at odds with the design and access statement. In terms of sustainability, this would be welcome, but this obviously increases the potential concerns in relation to crime. This is exacerbated by the fact that there is no natural surveillance of the underpass or the path. 
During the site visit, the applicant pointed out that the plot nearest the underpass would have surveillance, this one, of the underpass. The underpass is here and this house faces that way, so there wouldn't be any direct and natural surveillance of the underpass. The path from the underpass is behind a steep railway embankment and the only houses that would have potential of surveillance in the winter are across the other side of the field up here. Surveillance from the proposed houses is not possible. You might have a very limited um, view from here. It is acknowledged that there is support for the application locally and the parish council support the application. However, given the advice of the police to the applicant and the contradictions within the application, it is on this basis that officers are recommending the application be refused on the grounds set out in the report. Thank you very much. We have quite a few speakers on this and I'd like to start with Councillor Mawson. Madam Chairman, I'd like to uh, declare an interest. I'm a close friend of Mr Collins. I've known him for over 25 years, but I've cleared it with Mrs Oliveira and the Chief Exec that I'm able to speak as a District Councillor on this matter. Madam Chairman, um, it's not often that you see me asking for development in, in Elsenham, but on this occasion I am going to be asking, and sadly and regrettably it's against officers' recommendations again. My purpose for asking for this call-in is to redress a lack of parity in the developer's application in which his submissions have not been equitably dealt with by officers in their recommendations to refuse this application on health, safety and crime prevention issues. Officers have claimed that the developer's application is unsustainable on two grounds. The first is that it would encourage the residents of the five proposed dwellings to cross the railway line on the unmanned level crossing at Robin Hood Road on their way to the shops. Officers claim this would have two negative effects. The first is about safety over this unmanned crossing. I understand that there are urgent proposals by Railtrack to close the crossing as soon as possible. Figures from Railtrack show, however, that on average 81 people per day at present use the crossing. The Council has also passed a development proposal for 135 houses adjacent to the crossing at Hall Lane, where there is far more potential for danger to a much larger proportion of residents. And on the southwest corner of this development, and I have a map here, I don't know whether people are aware of this, um, there is a footpath which takes residents from that 135 application which has been passed to the same side of the crossing as that on the developer's proposal in order to cross that footpath, sorry, in order to cross the rail, rail track. I also understand and have a letter from rail track in my possession that unlike the developer's proposal for five houses where council officers have communicated with Railtrack on their objections, no such consultation has been made by officers over the larger development of the 135 houses at Hall Road. I have a letter here from uh, Elliot Stamp at Network Rail confirming that that hasn't happened. Madam Chairman, this is not to belittle the dangers of the unmanned crossing to residents. But given its present use, on average of 81 people per day, 
The access via a footpath to a much larger development of 135 houses, which leads people who follow that pedestrian path to the same access as the unmanned crossing on the same side as the developer's proposal. And given the intention of Railcrack to close this crossing at the earliest possible moment, it seems rather incongruous to penalise the developer over five houses on this same issue. Officers also claim that because the residents of the five houses will be inclined to use their cars to go to the local shops at the end of Robin Hood Road rather than use the crossing, this will cause undue congestion on the roads. How do such concerns fit in with the traffic congestion to be caused by the 135 dwellings on the adjacent property already approved in Elsenham and the other two sites which are also approved on the same road? Secondly, Mr. Collin, uh, the developer's proposal for an alternative route through an underpass has also been rejected by officers because of the perception of crime. They seem to have ignored the developer's proposals for lighting in this underpass and its claims that it will be overlooked by other properties. Members will have visited the site and can make their own judgments. However, most significantly, a crime prevention report supporting the developers' initiatives have largely been ignored in the officers' recommendations. In reality, Madam Chairman, this site as an industrial site has a very poor reputation over the time that I have been a councillor since 1995. It has been the subject of numerous investigations by our enforcement team for illegal residents living on the site, the blocking and pollution of the stream with rubbish, the burning of tyres and threats and intimidation to neighbours, to name but a few. There has been far more evidence of crime perception as an industrial site than it would ever be on a residential site. As residents will testify, this site has also been an eyesore for the past 20 years. As the officers have said, it has the unanimous support of the Parish Council on three separate occasions. I would therefore ask members to redress the balance of this proposed development and grant approval. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Thank you very much, Councillor Mawson. Uh, the next person who wishes to speak is a Mr. Fuller. Mr. Fuller? <coughs> no? Not uh, here? Madam Chairman, if I may say, I believe there may have been a, um, an error by um, perhaps myself when I first rang in to um, ask to speak. I'm actually John Lawrence, but I, live, I said I lived at Fuller's End, and I think that may have just caused... Well, I've got you as the next speaker, so, OK, fine, if you'd like to come forward. Thank you. <coughs> thank you, Madam Chairman. First of all, I'd like to, uh, to thank you all for allowing us to speak. Um, I'm speaking, I believe, uh, in fact, I know, on, on behalf of the residents of Fuller's End. Um, a lot of what I was going to say has already been said by Councillor Mawson, um, but what I would say is that the, um, the site will, if, it's, if planning permission isn't approved, then the site will be... Um, <clears throat> had of an intensification of use, there will be a substantial increase in HGV traffic flow, which the main point being is it's the very narrow access lane, and those councillors that did come to the site meeting will know that the narrowest point is actually a blind bend as well. Um, if it's not granted, then the underpass will not be available um, to residents, and therefore it's going to be extremely difficult for network rail to... Um, to actually close the, close the railway crossing, given that there's 80... 80 plus people a day use it currently 
And as Councillor Morton said, the 130-odd houses which are being built off the Hall Road access um, could substantially increase the numbers of people that would potentially use that crossing. Um, the crime has also, uh, has also been alluded to. Um, it's quiet at night, makes it attractive to criminals. There was a major fire and destruction of two units two years ago as a result of criminal activity. Again, this can continue. And also, if there's more activity on the site, then there's increased risk of burglaries towards the local residents by uh, number of criminals targeting the industrial units. Um, there is a lot of waste on site currently, and that probably will continue. The potential to contaminate the brook, um, airborne dust as a result of increased traffic, an antisocial, environmental, and unsustainable uh, site, which is totally out of keeping with, with Fuller's End, uh, the residential area of Fuller's End. Um, in terms of what it, the impact of residents ourselves <coughs> is the, the increased dirt, dust, and ingress into our properties. Any prospective purchasers of our properties see the industrial estate as a negative aspect of the area and puts them off purchasing the property. Potential devaluation of properties in comparison to the other properties in the areas of the district. And in closing, finally, I'd just like to go back to the point of the underpass and the crossing to say that if the um, application isn't um, approved, then there's going to be no access to the underpass, which will totally negate the whole situation of the underpass. Thank you very much. Thank you. And the next speaker is Duncan Purcell. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I'd like you to note that I also am speaking on not only behalf of myself but all the residents of Fuller's End. I've been a resident of Fuller's End for nearly 20 years. In that time, and contrary to the previous planning refusal, I've found it to be what is now termed as a very sustainable place to live. All the village amenities such as shops, post office, doctors, railway station and bus stops are all within easy walking distance. This is something I and most of my neighbours do on a daily basis. The route takes us over an unmanned railway crossing as the only other pedestrian route is via a busy and dangerous road with no footpath for long stretches. We would not consider using a car for these trips as it would take much longer and finding parking spaces in the village is a problem. Therefore, we were very pleased when the landowners offered, us the, opportun offered the opportunity for everyone to cross the line via an underpass, underpass in complete safety and allow the present unmanned crossing to be closed. My neighbours and I have always been in favour of this development and were very disappointed at its refusal, particularly as the reasons for it, for it are quite untrue. It was stated that the proposed underpass would represent a crime risk because it is remote and unoverlooked. This is not true. I sincerely hope you've had a chance to look at both the site and the associated block plan, plus my drawing that in, with the letter that I emailed to you all. It clearly shows that all the houses in the proposed development overlook the footpath and the underpass. One in particular even looks right through the underpass. I hope you could visualise this with the marker cones on your visit. The entrance on the other side is overlooked by the mill house and the entire route of the footpath is overlooked by the houses in Rush Lane and Robin Hood Road. I understand the landowner has offered to lower the hedges to increase this view further. Therefore, we feel that this short detour would in fact make a very safe means of crossing the railway line and one that we would be very happy to use. I believe that the police have been consulted in this matter and support our view. In closing, I would like 
I would like you to support the views of the residents of Fuller's End, plus the great many other villages that, <coughs> and the great many other villages, and of course the parish council, who are all in favour of this sympathetic redevelopment of a very unsightly and problematic brownfield site, especially as it has the great bonus of giving us and a large number of other pedestrians that use our lane the chance of using the railway line in complete safety, something that is very dear in their hearts in this area. As a footnote, I understand that the number of people using the crossing will now be greatly increased by the residents of the 135 houses already alluded to. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. And the next speaker is Peter Welsh. Good afternoon. Um, I currently um, live with my wife next door to my uh, daughter and her family at the very end of the road, uh, where it, uh, the lane where it joins Thai Green Road. Uh, we've lived there for some eight years. Um, my wife uh, travels to London regularly to work, and my daughter travels daily to work, and they travel from Elsenham Station. Um, they walk to uh, the station, unless it's, uh, the, the weather's inclement. Um, we, my wife and I look after our granddaughters for uh, two or three days a week and we walk the elder one to school and pick her up from school uh, in Elsenham. Uh, we use the crossing almost daily. I collect my newspaper in the morning uh, from the shop. Um, currently the, um, the, the lane um, carries tra uh, traffic uh, including heavy goods vehicles, four, four axle um, grab lorries carrying um, uh, demolition products um, for uh, deposit and distribution. Uh, and also there are a large number of uh, delivery vans which go to the various uh, um, industrial uh, units on the site. And almost by definition they uh, travel at um, inordinate speeds down that uh, narrow lane. So if this were to go ahead, uh, rather than increasing the amount of traffic, the flow of traffic, it would, in my opinion, decrease it considerably and make it much, much safer. Um, those are the main points that I'd, uh, I'd like to bring to your attention. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we now have Heather Barker. Um, I have lived in Fuller's End for 50 years and brought up three children in this lovely part of Elsenham. My children, now in their 40s, all attended Elsenham Primary School, walking every day via the railway crossing, something that the younger families in the lane still do. I now have seven grandchildren, aged 17 years down to four years, who all live the other side of the railway. The older children are allowed to use the railway crossing when they visit, which is quite regular. I regularly use the railway crossing, often pop into the post office or shops. This is much quicker and easier than using a car. Plus, as a pensioner, it is much cheaper too. I would be more than happy for myself and grandchildren to use the proposed underpass as a much safer way to cross the railway line either during the day or evening. 
My husband, who is now a semi-invalid and would benefit from a mobility scooter to visit family and friends in the village, giving him a certain independence, negotiating the existing crossing would be dangerous, if not impossible. This has always put him off of purchasing one. The underpass would offer the perfect solution. I would also like to point out that Fuller's End is a very popular route for family walks, dog walkers and cyclists, especially at weekends. I hope very much the committee will vote in favour of this development and proposed underpass, making it a much safer for everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you. And the last uh, speaker before the parish council I have is Sasha Holmes. My family have lived in the mill house, which is adjacent to the sawmill, for 45 years, and we own the field either side of the railway pass, which is under consideration as a new pedestrian right-of-way. Over the 45 years, we have used Fuller's End Crossing as pedestrians and cyclists on a regular basis to access High Green Road and a network of footpaths in that area when we go for walks, which we do now on a daily basis with our children during the school holidays. My sister and I often reminisce over how we used to cross the crossing with our ponies when we were growing up. We don't do that now, but... Uh, we are happy to use the crossing as it is today, but we would prefer a safer alternative route to Fuller's End without having to use it. We are therefore keen to enable this to happen and agree in principle to the suggested public right-of-way and we are willing to negotiate with the relevant parties to bring this about. We understand that there is concern about the lack of overlook on this proposed right-of-way and in order to assist with this on the northwest side, we're happy for any hedging on our land to be lopped to allow a clear line of sight by residents of both Rush Lane and Robin Hood Road over the right of way. We also have horses in the field constantly, so there are always people coming and going. In addition to this, we can in fact see the northwest entrance to the underpass from rear windows at the mill house and outbuildings. We hope that these points will help to overcome some of the snagging issues and the application will be looked upon favourably, thus improving the safety of all local residents, both present and future. Thank you. Thank you very much. And now, if I could move on to the Parish Council, um, Pratina Lees is next. As um, Councillor Mawson said, I've never been here asking for housing in Elston. This will be my first time ever. <laughs> so I'll put my lipstick on specially. Um, most people have said the grounds that we've said. So basically there are two things really. One is that Elston Parish Council support it, as does all the residents. Um, and it's been pointed out already about the underpass and there is compliance. And I, so as everything's been said, the two things I'd like to say... One is, um, the lady did say about public crossing today, and there is a little bit of hysteria of it, and obviously we had that tragic accident at, at, at Elsenham not long ago. But you've heard everybody say that people are using it um, safely, and I think if I'm right, we've had one fatality there, and that was a lady who was wearing earphones. Am I right, Mr Barker? Mm -hmm. Walking her dog wearing earphones. So, you know, it, it, it's not unsafe. So that's not a reason. And secondly, I would just like to point out, if I may about the crime issue, the reason for refusal, is that it's the opinion of the Essex Police Agricultural Liaison Unit, which is on page 29 of your report, 
that says um, that the current use of the land has attracted higher than average number of crimes reported, not the use for development. And then at the secondly, they say at the end, um, we can state in principle, which is on page 30, that they see absolutely no, I've added the absolutely, sorry, see no reason why this development should not achieve full certification, providing the criteria specified by Essex Police is adhered to. The developer has said he will adhere to the specifications. And basically, we feel, Elson Parish Council feel, that we, you should approve this. They want it, the residents want it, the developer has moved goalposts every time. And again, as David says, Network Rail has said in their letter that one of the possible solutions could have been the introduction of an alternative way of the railway with the level crossing being closed. We support it. We hope you do too. Thank you for listening. And I'm under my two minutes, first time ever. Thank you. Um, and the last person that wishes to speak is the applicant, Mr Collins. My comments relate solely to the planning officer's recommendation prepared for this meeting. The recommendations contend that the development does not encourage movement by means other than driving a car. Network Rail's official statistics state that 81 people per day use the crossing. The residents of Fuller's End, including children, use the crossing to access schools, shops and the railway station. The premise on which the officer states that residents would drive to the shops rather than use the crossing is contrary to the evidence provided by Network Rail and the local residents. The officer's recommendation states that the development does not comply with Gen 2. In their opinion, it fails to reduce the potential for crime. The crime prevention officer has a different opinion. They state the existing site has a higher crime profile than the surrounding area and in their opinion this is due to the current use of the land. They also state that a residential development should show a marked reduction in reported crime. No evidence has been put forward by UDC to support the contrary view to that expressed by the experts. The planning recommendation states that the alternative access is unoverlooked, yet every part of the route, including the underpass, would be directly overlooked by the new development and the existing surrounding houses. The landowner has offered to reduce the height of the hedge to the northern aspect in order to increase visibility further. I'd like to also point out that the, the house closest to the underpass could easily be turned slightly to directly face the underpass and this is something that the applicants would agree, would agree to without any problem. Paragraph 1014 of the officer's recommendation states that there is no form of lighting along this end of Robin Hood Road or Tigreen Road. This is simply not true. There is a column light on Tigreen Road which illuminates the crossing. The Crime Prevention Officer, when ultimately responding to our plan, stated that she was satisfied with the lighting scheme, or satisfied that the lighting scheme was appropriate for the site-specific development, and she was pleased to confirm that sufficient levels of illumination were delivered for the visual tasks to be undertaken. This final comment by the CPO superseded the previous comments 
which are quoted in the planning officer's recommendation and which were referred to earlier today. We as developers are involved in detailed discussions with Network Rail and the adjacent landowner and have in principle agreed to open up the alternative access as a public right-of-way. This will automatically lead to the permanent closure of the pedestrian crossing at Fuller's End. We have the full support and cooperation of the local community who want to continue to access local services on foot. We are able to offer a safe, overlooked alternative. I appeal to members to grant planning permission for this development, which will provide five dwellings and improve the visual aspect of this part of Fuller's End. We will also deliver a sustainable, safe and permanent solution to the problem of the crossing at Fuller's End. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right. Uh, I've got Councillor Perry down as first. Thank you, Chairman. Can I say what is real, how real is the threat of crime on this site? I don't think there is one. We've heard that there was something two years ago where we had an arson attack, but other than that, there's nothing. I think that development will actually decrease the element of potential for crime, not increase it. I have difficulty with the recommendation, and I wonder if our officers have any conditions that they would like us to consider if it goes that way. You mean if you're minded to approve it? Okay, fine. Well, I'm sure that the officers have maybe thought about um, I haven't got any drawn up at the moment, but we could certainly prepare a list um, for the next committee for you to consider. I think probably members can come up with quite a few conditions. First of all, I would like to go to Councillor Godwin. Let's have the debate at least. Uh, yes, it's really a point of clarification because on page... So, um, 29 of the report, paragraph 4.2, um, the crime prevention officer, correspondence from them, de de um, demonstrates there are no security issues relating to its use. Um, and then on page 42, para 11b, um, the, the lighting would be... Um, harmful to the area and would, in the view of the police, increase the perception of crime. Now, um, where do we sit on this? Because it would seem to me that there's two slightly opposing views and where does the perception lie of, of crime lie with the actual crime? Um, I would have thought that it would be very sensible to light the subways if we were minded to approve or the tunnel we certainly have them where I live and they, it's really imperative in my opinion they should be lit uh, in this case they go under motorways so um, I cannot quite see where the idea is that it would increase the risk or perception of crime to have them there Do you wish to come the police are happy with the underpass to be lit, and, um, but they weren't happy about the footpath being lit. And they said that if the footpath was lit, then that would increase the perception of it and the, risk, the potential for crime to be carried out because more people will be using it. So that's what the police say. The proposals include the lighting across the footpath. 
all the way along the footpath from the underpass right the way up to the road. The police say if that is lit, it is unlikely to get secured by design accreditation. But if it isn't lit, then they would give secured by design accreditation, but that would only be lighting on the underpass itself, which wouldn't be needed if you're not going to have the lighting across the fields. Um, I must admit that where ours are, don't have lighting to the, tu to the tunnels, but they're in far more remote kind of locations than this would be. Um, first of all, let me go to Councillor Mackman. Thank you very much. I think I'll say what various other people are tiptoeing around. I'd like to propose that we approve this. I'm sure that we can address the conditions here and now as to whether lighting along the path is appropriate. Certainly I think that uh, the subway lighting that's been proposed that's normally at 50% and goes to 100% when people are going through is acceptable. I, I personally wouldn't object to the lighting along the path but I imagine that most people living in a country area tend to carry torches when it's dark. So as I say I'll repeat that I, I would propose this for approval. Do I have a seconder for that? Councillor Ranger, you're next on. Yes, Chairman, I'm quite happy to uh, second Councillor Mackman's proposal. Um, there is no planning policy that requires us or this scheme to achieve secure by design accreditation. It's an approach you can make to uh, make sure that your scheme does everything you possibly can. Um, so I say, light it and be damned. Um, it, you know, if, if, if well, yeah, I mean, it, I can't imagine, as, as Councillor Perry said, um, that this would lead to increasing crime. It would be the other way around. Conditions um, for a start: three years start, plans as approved, construction method statement, landscaping, materials, energy uses, drainage, contamination. Need to go on. No, I don't, I'm not, as you know, I'm not into adding conditions when they're not necessary. But, they, but the, the one other issue is there is an ecology requirement in terms of lighting. So therefore, we have a light, there's a lighting issue regarding the actual link, and there's a lighting issue in terms of how that, it could work out, there's not an issue with that, but it's make sure that one doesn't mess the other one up. And we would also recommend there needs to be a section 106 requirement to provide, uh, there's, because we're talking five dwellings, has yeah. to be a contribution towards affordable housing, or actually provision of affordable housing. Yeah, yeah. There's issues about the. You need a slab level agreement yeah. as well. Yes, I mean I, I, I hear where everybody's coming from. I also feel that that we should have a condition there that we look to see how we could light that path sensibly. I, there are lots of methods these days which lights come in or off and on if somebody trips over the sensor and I am sure that there is some you can have them very low to the ground so the person doesn't fall but it is lighting your way so I do feel that we need to maybe have a condition where we look into how that could be lit sensibly you don't need great big huge uh, street lamps um, so that, that I'm sure that something can be done on that Councillor Easton Thank you Madam Chairman um, there's been a lot of contradictory bunkum talked about lighting, hasn't there? <laughs> and, and let's face it, the police say one thing, we say another, then the police say the same thing as we say. It just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Um, crime would be eliminated, not illuminated, would be eliminated <laughs> if... <laughs> Freudian slip. 
if, if the sawmill site was no longer there. It's a simple fact. That's where the crime came from in the first place. As far as surveillance of the underpass is concerned, I think this is a red herring. Um, <coughs> it's not a priority for planning, and I can't think of anyone, or maybe somebody else can name an underpass which is surveyed. I'm trying to think of one. I can't think. I can think of lots which aren't. So I think it's a red herring. It doesn't need to be surveyed. Um, as far as the conditions are concerned, yes, they can be done right away. There's no reason why we need to prevaricate on this any longer. And I, I will support the recommendation. Can I say that in the Olympic Park, in, uh, if you, any of you went to the Olympics, they, the underpass is there, which of course is now open to the public. They have actually mirrored so that you do see people coming one way or the other. And so therefore we could look at design features that it could be that, that you are not out on, on the thing. Councillor Kant. Sorry, um, I agree with the previous speaker. I think the whole surveillance thing is, is a red herring because you can have a house, we have these houses with which we pinpoint for natural surveillance. If people are out at work all day and get home at 7 o'clock at night and immediately draw the curtains, then they may well be ex extremely well situated for natural surveillance, but there's no one ever in them to survey. So... I think we just have to make this as secure as we can. Um, whatever measures we can use, lighting and either mirrors or whatever, so that people can see people coming, uh, and some sort of low-level lighting perhaps on the track. And to me, um, nothing can equal what happened on that level crossing in terms of danger on this footpath. And so I, I think the whole thing is... Um, ludicrous and, and I agree with the proposal. Right, um, members have given quite a few suggestions for conditions. Are we happy that we have covered all bases with regard to that? And also we need to make sure that the Section 106 recommendation is covered in terms of the affordable housing as well. Do we need to um, do any 106 with regard to the uh, highways improvements to the entrance at all? But Mrs. Oliver, you may that. Uh, may I make a suggestion that the um, resolution is uh, conditional approval 106, but the conditions and the terms for the 106 is agreed, are agreed by yourself uh, at, a, at a later, uh, uh, in conjunction with you at a later date. Mm. Would you be happy with that? I will share it with you all, but would you be happy with that? Okay. Right. It has been proposed and seconded for approval, subject to a 106 and conditions, which will be dealt with with my, the, the chairman, along with the assistant director of planning, yes, and the legal head of legal. So, all those in favour, please show. It's unanimous. Okay. Thank you very much. Please don't clap. We do try and not have clapping in planning meetings. Thank you. <laughs>
Sorry, Councillor Menel. Is it too late, Chairman, to condition a protection of bats? Well, we go, the conditions are going to come back. So, yes, we... There was a condition on there regarding lighting to do with bats. There was e- ecological conditions were covered within yeah. that, which yes. specifically was bats, actually. I think that's con- c- covered. Councillor Cheatham, you could always bring it back to committee if you were unsure about something. If I'm unsure, I will bring it back, but I'm, I'm sure you'll email me if, if, I, if you think of anything else that you wish to be on that list. Right, Mr Brown. You'd be staggered how many bats go around the area of a railroad. It's quite amazing. They go for the... Thank you, Chairman. This one is hopefully a quite straightforward application. It's a proposal for a front extension on a property. It's only in front of members because it's a, a member of staff's application. Um, the proposal is for a, a, a front extension to the property, just, just to give you the context of it. This is the current front elevation of the property. These are, these are garage doors, but actually aren't used for garaging. So it's just what the proposal is, is to put an extension in front of that proposal and actually provide garaging. So you're actually bringing it out here uh, in terms of providing a garaging in terms of that application. There is the application site, that's actually it, it's that straightforward to be honest. Um, the, if I go back to the block plan again, you'll see that the proposal actually does show provisional car parking in there. There is an immense a major area in front of the site in terms of car parking anywhere so it's actually uh, recommended for approval chairman councillor mel mel oppose the recommendation chairman do i have a seconder oh all over the place right take any need anybody wish to speak on this councillor oh, ranger no. <laughs> <laughs> could you show us the block plan again the um, elevations again please or the, or the floor plans Thank you. Um, I was just unaware where the garage entrances were in relation to the road. Right, okay. So that is the... The the road is here, fronting the site, so therefore the actual... I did that just for spite. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so on that proposed plan, the doors are on the left-hand side, not the front. That's That's right, yeah. Thank you. There's a hedge. Anybody else wish to speak? It has been proposed and seconded for approval. All those in favour, please show. It's unanimous. Councillor Menel, can you turn your mic off, please? decisions next. Oh, I have, I have. No, hang on. There, or is it? Oh, do you a, want to join the Miser Six first of all? I don't know which way around we're doing it. Yeah. Sorry, you are right. It was appeal decisions. No, first. it's appeal decisions next. Yeah, you are right. I think I am right. <laughs> right. I just have to say that the decision on the stud farm is very worrying. Could anybody update us on that? <clears throat> Um, I, I would agree it was extremely worrying in terms of what's come out of it. I mean, the, the main thinking behind it, and believe me, we, we, were, we were concerned as well, and we have approached Council's advice on that particular issue. Um, what has happened is 
One thing that's been missed off the, well, it's not part of the MPPF that we used to be under the PPS 7 when we were considering agricultural dwellings was issues around, first of all, you need to have a functional need and secondly, there needs to be a financial viability of the proposal in order for something to go forward, hence why you used to have the viability issue has now gone. So on a general issue in terms of, in terms of agricultural dwellings, um, I know this wasn't specific agriculture, but it's the same sort of thinking. It is worrying that all you need now is a functional need for a dwelling on site, and there doesn't need to be any financial backup to it. Now, that, in my view, doesn't actually make any sense whatsoever, but Council's advice is actually correct in saying, in my opinion, that you know the MPPS doesn't mention it, and it's part of those things that was, that was part of the baby that was thrown out with the bathwater when they went to the MPPF. It was a very, very important thing in terms of control of dwellings in the open countryside. And unfortunately, that particular matter has gone at the moment. I think then, uh, it, with the committee's um, uh, agreement, I think we should write to the Secretary of State and tell him how very concerned we are that this part of the um, has been yeah. taken away from the MPPF. Uh, we can quote our, this, 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 um, um, this application. Um, because you know, it was personally, to my mind, it was just—it's just—it's unbelievable that an inspector has allowed it. But yeah. you're saying we can't. To add to that, I don't know if it's on this list, but there was a further application for in in the for the residential development. No, it's, I don't think it's actually on this list. There was a there was another application in Birchhanger where there was a an agricultural dwelling. It was completely speculative. Unfortunately, it had a big actually hotel behind it. So financially, I'm sure it wouldn't have failed, but it, the business wasn't viable and the inspector actually took the viability issue correctly, in my opinion, and dismissed it. So again, it's another one of those stories where we're getting different stories from different inspectors. So there will be getting another one of Andrew's letters, to be honest. Well, I, I think we do, and maybe we could write one to, yeah. to Mr. Nick Bowles and, or, and, or Eric Pickles. I don't mind who we send it to, but I think we need to have it pointed out. Councillor Matman, I don't know who, I think your hand was up first, was it? Well, can you put your mic on, please? Sorry. Continuation of use of land for stationing of a caravan for residential purposes. I mean, does anybody else believe that they were living in the caravan? I don't believe they were living in that caravan. I think I might have slept in there more times than they have, to be honest. Yeah. Councillor Perry. Thank you, Chairman. Do I take it then for clarification? Because the last conversation I had with uh, my namesake was that uh, he was looking to appeal the decision on Council's advice. Do I take it that that is now not going to take place? No, Council's advice was not to appeal. Okay, so all we can do is to write to uh, government pointing out our disappointment and to the pins. Any other questions on those? Right, then I have one urgent item, which is item six. And Mr Brown, you're going to take us through this. Thank you, Chairman. Now, this, members will be aware about the financial um, contributions towards affordable housing, which has been bouncing backwards and forwards between the LDF Working Party and Cabinet recently. Um, it has now been adopted that we will not be seeking financial contributions for single dwellings. Now, obviously, the ones that are in the system in terms of delegated systems, we've unpicked those and they've been sorted. But there were two applications uh, that have been through committee. Um, uh, one was for Silverdale in the street, Takeley. The other was for land adjacent, the village hall in High Roading. Uh, both those applications were approved at this committee 
uh, with a recommendation for Section 106 to seek financial contributions. Because of the change in policy, all we're asking is that you rev revise your recommendations to actually take away the need for the Section 106 and so we can just issue the planning permissions. I will propose the recommendation. I, we, uh, this, yeah, seconded by Councillor Eden. Does anybody wish to speak on that? Okay. All those in favour, please show. It's unanimous. Okay. Right. I think that is the end of the meeting. Yes, Councillor Menna. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I did have a word with Mr. Taylor after the education gentleman left. Would it not be appropriate for us now that we're actually talking properly to highways and education that we had a sort of subgroup or working party of the LDF to consult together? I mean, I've done a very quick map of the traffic system in Saffron Walden, which would be fine. I just think we should talk about it a little bit more and come together rather than have, be opposing each other all the time. Well, uh, I hear what you say, and I will definitely suggest it to the, uh, the leader. Um, it's a cabinet committee, that, and, or I suggest that you talk to the leader about that. I also spoke to the educational um, officers as they went, uh, the um, highways officers as they went out, and they are very happy to come back more often. And they also say that, with regard to the uh, local plan, they felt it might be very useful if we had a full council, uh, a briefing for full council with regard to the highway assessment, because he felt that that might help as well. And I have to say, I agree with him. So maybe we can program that in before the next council meeting that they came and talked. And I would just ask if we could ask that of your, uh, the chief, we could ask the chief exec, Councillor Salmon. Yes, Madam Chair, if we can have another one of these workshops with so much meat on the thing, if we're going to start, can we start at 11 so we've got a chance to get everything into it, not rather than rush things down? I have a feeling there was a problem with timing with regard to one of the people that wanted to speak, wasn't it, Mr Brown? I think, I think we could have probably accommodated what you've just suggested. The only issue was the highways had to be away to go to Malden, of all places, so therefore I think... I think we could have done highways and we could have done education. Well, so if that is the case, can we split them up in future and let's have one and then the other, not them both on the same morning? I'll pass that back to, uh, to Andrew on that one. Can I say it would be useful to have one of those for both um, Elsenham and for Stansted, both of which are absolute bottlenecks and, uh, and I think pose similar problems for development. Hmm. So... I mean, for, for us on planning, it would be interesting to see what was, what was proposed for both of those areas, I feel. Well, of course, it is proposed in the highway assessment. It, it's all in the document, but I agree. Uh, they, they will come back again, and so maybe we need to say next time we would like it. Also, Great Dunmo, we need to look at Great Dunmo and everything that's happening in there. So I think that uh, I'm asking the officers to program into our schedule to have some more meetings with highways and also maybe education further down the, um, the line. Thank you. Right, Councillor Ranger. Yes, and uh, thank you, Chairman. I'll add to the list uh, NHS England once they get their act together. Thank you. That one might be harder to get. To get. Right, on this... Can I... Can I think now I will call the meeting to uh, 
uh, an end because we don't actually have discussions after the meeting normally, but I will call the meeting to close. Half past three, please note.